Hey everyone, and uh, you're going to love today's podcast if you're someone who's ever decided they want to try something else except for just their primary business. A lot of coaches out there, business coaches, will tell us that we need to put the blinkers on, just focus and be purely single-minded, tripling down on the one thing we're good at or the one thing we're having a go at, so generally your coaching business. But... A lot of us also have a bit of a shiny object syndrome. We, we are ambitious entrepreneurial people. We see things we want, we go after them. We say, okay, here's an investment opportunity or here's somewhere I can put some money or here's a business I can start with a friend that's really aligned with my values and stuff I love to do. Maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's just a passion of yours and you wanna have a go at it. And Julian Vanderwall, who I'm speaking to today, is a really great example of a guy who is put his fingers in so many pies and tried so many different things across different industries. And you'll see he admits he's had quite a few, you know, successes and quite a few things that haven't gone as well as well. But this dude is really busy. He's managing a massive workload along with a big family. He's got four daughters, twice as many as me. And uh, he has great perspectives on what it means to have a busy life and choose different businesses. Hope you enjoy it. This is Coaches to the Moon. The only podcast you need to skyrocket your coaching business and create true impact on the world. Here's your host, Alex Morris. Welcome back, everybody, to the Coaches to the Moon podcast. Second today, I believe we're on episode number 23, and I'm really, really excited to have Mr. Julian Vanderwall joining me today. He is just a real anomaly of a businessman because he is across so many different things he's a fantastic coach he's a consultant he's in sales he's in solar power we're going to talk about all that today julian thank you so much for joining us i can't wait to have a chat thanks for having me alex awesome man um like i just said you're a busy boy you you're living in adelaide right now you flew in from brisbane last night you're kind of flying back and forth once a week is that for your mop company is that for your solar company is that for your consulting what are you doing What's yeah, up? so Monday mornings, so what's my week look like? So Monday mornings, so around about 12, I'm uh, consulting with another solar company, actually. Uh, and then I basically fly out Monday afternoon, fly to Brisbane, um, work on our new mop company and cleaning company, um, and then my own solar company in between that as well. Fly back Thursday and then spend the weekend with the family and try and catch up in all my work or, you know, meetings like this on the Friday and, and everything else. So, and then it's a weekend and then spend some time with the family and then it's back to Monday again. So that's, that's what it's been like for the last month. So it's been good. Awesome. I really appreciate you making the time for this kind of thing. And I do want to talk about, you know, how you manage to manage all those different businesses and, and things going at the same time. I, I first want to ask you this though, because this was interesting to me because I'm a bit of a history buff and uh, you, uh, you run the Spartan Business Academy which is a consulting yep. and coaching group. Uh, I can see you have a Spartan helmet behind you there. Yeah. <laughs> you're a Spartan in your past life. What is the you know, significance of Spartan and why is that? How is that shaping the way you run your business? Yeah. So where I came up with the name Spartan, obviously that movie 300 was, was pretty, uh, 300 and Gladiator yep. uh, just speaks to me. Just uh, either I was that in a past life or I just feel really connected, you know, um, I don't think I should ever go to war um, because my my self-preservation is actually very, very low. Uh, I've got a very high risk to low self-preservation, if that makes sense. So 
Um, but yeah, there's just a connection that I, I don't know what, you know, you just feel a connection um, personally to it, whether that's uh, for any reason at all. I, I think just the, the mentality of that 300 and, and Sparta and essentially that scene in the movie where they said, oh, what do you do? You know, when the, when the other army joins them, oh, I'm a potter, I'm a, uh, I'm a baker or whatever else he was. And, and he, you know, what do you guys do? And it's like that, that Spartan chant. It's like, you know, yeah, exactly. So, so that resonates with me. Essentially, you know, what do you do? If you're in business, you're a business owner and that's all you do, which is kind of funny now that I'm running a couple of different types of businesses, but essentially businesses run the same. So, um, my idea of that is number one, you go out to battle and you either come back from battle or you come back on your, on your shield. That's, mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the way I, I like to see life. And, um, and it's a very, very sort of aggressive approach. Uh, whenever I'm doing consulting and sales coaching, it's, it's a very aggressive um, um, focus on, on, uh, you know, success. And it's, it's success is binary. You've either got results or you've got, um, you know, excuses. And that, that's the way I see things. You know, you, you can either make up excuses and the reasons why you didn't do something or you've actually achieved exactly what you wanted to do and there's nothing in between. Um, so having that really strong focus on, on the professionalism and also being a student of that industry or student of business or, you know, I, I think we're professional athletes of business that's, and I've thought about that for a long time. So it means that your diet, your mentality, your education is all designed to for success, but you need to really master the skills, the basic fundamentals of finances and now social media and PR and marketing and sales and advertising and recruitment and all those aspects of a, a different sort of pillars of business. And that makes you a complete business owner. Um, and I think a lot of business owners that are really missing the mark are purely focused on one area or it's their passion. Perfect example, you know, they love food, so they set up a restaurant. That is a great way to go bankrupt. Man, you know, I know that you, you had a restaurant at one point, right? We did, yeah. yeah. That was 15 years ago. I was in hospitality. I was a chef for a long time. I owned a cafe yeah. at one point. And um, man, even knowing the business, like with two chefs uh, running at the place and we knew how to do the front of house, we knew how to do the back of house, even running a small cafe, uh, you run into so many pitfalls you didn't expect. And for someone to go in who's never worked in a restaurant before, Goodness me, that sounds like the worst idea ever, but so many people do it. Why do you think, why do you think being a business owner is so attractive to people? And like, why do you think it's becoming so sexy these days against just kind of going and getting a job? Yeah, great question. I think that whole entrepreneurship is very much a fad. And I've said that for probably seven years now, six years now. Um, you know, oh, what, what do you do? And I, and I met these people, you know, seminars and, and different groups. And, you know, Mark Brewer does a show, you know, um, um, Aaron Sansoni. The, so all those people do seminars and you meet these people. Oh, well, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And I met this person, young guy, full of life. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. You know, I don't really call myself an entrepreneur, even though we've done lots of things because, you know, um, to me an entrepreneur would be the elon musks and the richard branson that to me is an entrepreneur you know mm -hmm. like mega people we're just business owners that run a few businesses and make some cash like that that's literally what we do 
Yeah, um, and yeah. at the end of the day, on your ABN, it doesn't say entrepreneur, it says sole trader, no matter how big your business or company is, right? So it's still exactly the same. So so he was, and I, I'm not out here to crush people's dreams and hopes. That's not that's not what I'm here to do. But it's just a realization of where you're actually sitting in the marketplace or in your own personal journey. And I think people get caught up too much with founders and CEOs and mate, call me a janitor. I don't really care. It doesn't make any difference to my bank balance, what you call me, right? So this young kid, um, you know, probably he's doing an entrepreneurship degree at university. He doesn't have a business. He doesn't even have an ABN. He's just got an idea. And I was like, that's not an entrepreneur. That's like an unemployed student with an idea. That's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people out there, you know, there'd be trillions of dollars of great ideas in the grave because no one acted upon it. So yeah, you just got to just rein it back. You know, you, your friends shouldn't care what title you give yourself. And I'll know pretty quickly if they're serious, if, you, if you're serious about what you're doing and, and what, where you're going. So actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah, I think that's a very smart answer. I think some of the most entrepreneurial people I know actually now have jobs. Uh, but back in high school, they were the ones who were, you know, breaking down bags of uh, fun bags of chips and then selling smaller bags of chips. Or they were doing the car washes yeah. or building yeah, skate ramps and renting them out, that sort of thing. I love that. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. You know, that's that's a mindset. So back to probably, you know, it is definitely a fad word. Um, it's a bit sexy to be an entrepreneur because, you know, you run your own business, you've got your Apple laptop and you're at a cafe and you're working through the, but look, at the end of the day, sometimes overall in regards to the journey that I've been on and, and plenty of other people, most times, remember that the the strike rate of being becoming successful in businesses, you know, most don't, right? So 80% of businesses fail in the first two years. And only 2% of businesses overall make it to 2 mil. That's not good odds. So most people would actually be better working within a business and actually having their super paid, all that stuff. You'll end up making more money. But it's not as sexy because you're not your own boss and you don't get to choose your own hours. And you, you need to be a very different human being hardwired to be great as a business owner and to really um, create the success that you, that you think that you deserve. Yeah, man, there's uh, a lot of trials and tribulations to go through and they never really end. I'm, I'm sure like, you know, know although man. you'd say you're, you're older than me, you look as, you know, young as the day is new, but uh, I'm sure that uh, you've been through some shit and you say you've yeah. had a lot of failures, right? Yeah, definitely. A lot, a lot of failures. And that, that's really interesting because you've just, you've just given us the success rate of businesses and it's, it's minuscule. And um, you've had so many different uh, ventures you had your fingers in so many many pies from from hospitality to retail to consulting to solar power and a lot of beginner coaches and entrepreneurs out there in quotation marks will try a new model or a new business because the grass is always greener on the other side that shiny object syndrome right so mm -hmm. my question to you is how do you uh, decide when something is worth pursuing as a business yeah um Look, I, like you said, I've tried a lot of things. The, those successful companies that you mentioned, um, there's probably a dozen that are in the graveyard that just didn't work at the time and you needed more resources or you're trying to take on Goliath and you have minuscule budgets or your skill, let's, skill level at the time is not high enough or, or you know, funding you need to do, but you don't know how to do that. So there's so many reasons why a lot of my companies didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but then again, they're learning opportunities. You know, I've been involved with a CRM beta test. I've been involved with... 
um, mortgage broking, generated mortgage, mortgage broking leads, um, uh, financial Spartan financial integration, uh, recruitment company. We set up our own Seek style platform, which I still think is a great idea, but anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can go back to that. We, you know, we can, but you know, we, we tried to set up a, a Seek style and every business that we spoke to hated Seek. So we thought this is killer, but then you realize what sort of, what you need to create that and you need probably a couple of mil to get going and at that stage i had no idea how to do that you know um and then you just you, you just gotta allow the universe and destiny to kind of guide you 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 can't give up so i i think life is a bit like water a lot like water if you just let water uh so when you try and control water usually what happens is it'll just go through your fingers. So you can't control life too much. You need to be in control, but not control. Same as people and managing people, right? But you can't also let it go all over the table because um, th there's no guidance. So to get around things in the table and move around obstacles, you need to guide it and, and, and push it one way and move around this way. And you've got to be fluid. It's, you know, we're dealing with the dynamic world, especially in the last 18 months, you know? Um, so that, that's the way I think about life, but you still need to be um, moving forward. I, I don't like the word pushing or hustle because I think sometimes when you're pushing too hard, the universe doesn't allow things. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive to let go, but still be in control. And that's where the balance of life, universe, work ethics, skill, knowledge, experience, um, all that comes into play, but it takes 21 years to become 21. I'm now 38, been in business for 20 odd years. Um, things are very, very different. You know, we, we've set up the solar company in the middle of um, the lockdown. So it's only a year old, but we're now working with Harley Davidson. We work with Automasters um, down here in South Australia. We've got the national agreement for Bridgestone Select. We just installed an RSL bowling club. Um, so a lot of big names are working with us and love to work with us, but we've positioned ourselves in the marketplace as the market leader but you now you need to back up what that brand tells people to do there yes that's a big point isn't it that's a whole nother podcast is uh backing up what you say you can do far out i, I did a podcast this morning yeah. with a with a, a guy who is a, a real just one-to-one -one coach and he's done really well out of just delivering an hour at a time to people on the phone i was like how are you scaling your business um, and making so much more and more money every month while still delivering. And he's like, because I deliver, because I get people results. They never leave. They come in expecting one thing and they get exactly that one thing. So my income just keeps growing and recurring without me having to go and hustle for new clients all the time. Because uh, yeah, to myself a certain way. And now people actually get what they're expecting. So that's really, really, uh, really cool yeah. to hear, man. Um, go what was the, the the spartan phrase it was um come back with your shield or on it that was yeah the spartan yeah phrase. i mean you you win or you die or you die trying um yeah with a, leave, it, leave it all on you don't want to come back from the battlefield with heaps of energy like leave it on the battlefield so how, you know? how do you know you failed in a the business then because i'm not, sorry if that's a tough question but how do you know if you failed um see i it well it depends how much money you lose that's one sure. um I don't think you can really fail, you know, um, even I've nearly been bankrupt three times. Um, we've been, 
in court proceedings from changing clients and changing suppliers and creating our own supply chain. So that, you know, that was a huge uh, three months of my life where I basically fell asleep. Once we got the okay from the judge and we could still run business, I basically fell asleep for two days. So I was just shattered. Um, And yeah, but you know, when you go and then 2019, I closed down Spartan Elite, which was our sales company. Um, you know, a lot of my identity was connected to that. I had that company and, and one very similar to that for, for 12 years all up. Um, we grew that organization. I started when there was five people and there was basically for us five, we grew 15 companies, uh, 360 staff and contractors. And we were the largest uh, fundraising agency in, in Australia. Um, so that was 10 years of my life, a little bit longer. Um, so when we closed that one down in 2019, I just had had enough and, and wanted to move into something else. Um, that was hard. 2019 was a really, really hard year. That was probably the, one of the worst years of my life. Um, so much so that 2020 and 2021, uh, with COVID going on and lockdowns and all these, everything else that's going on has been a piece of cake compared to, 20, to 2019. So you can imagine how bad that was uh, if the last two years has been a breeze. Yeah, that sounds tough. And yeah, I, I, as soon as I said that question, I felt bad about the way I'd worded it. But uh, say, when have you failed? Because no one ever, you, know, you never fail, right? You just learn. Oh, uh, um, some, I think it's a story that you tell yourself. You know, some people would, would consider closing a business down a failure. I, yeah. I just thought it was a, I, I should have closed a business down four years prior. You know, that, that's, what, that's the only thing that I should have done. I, I should have been not as loyal to the group that I was involved with and, and left with a, a ton of cash four years earlier. That, that's my only lesson out of that. You know, loyalty was very expensive. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of skills that come out of it. You know, running a door-to-door sales company for 10 years, training three and a half thousand sales agents, um, building, you know, seven, eight-figure sales programs for some of the largest clients, charity clients in, in, in the country. Um, is is great experience so then i can use all of that data all that resources and all those skills and now we can actually move into a consultancy space so if there's a if if there's a, a company out there that has five to 20 plus sales people i'll turn that company around and increase profits in the first week you know perfect example i've worked with another solar company just just recently uh we increased gp by five percent in basically two weeks within the amazing. first month amazing so, so yeah, so there's, so it's just, I think it's just about stacking about all your learning and then over time you put all those experience together and then you just slowly work out where you want to be um, looking into new markets. I think your renewable energy right now, hot market, everyone wants to be involved with it. Everyone wants to line their brain with it. It's going to be killer for the next five to 10 years. Really is going to be. You heard it first here from Julian van der Waal, <laughs> go and buy solar Buy Tesla, buy composters. I reckon composters <laughs> exactly. no man. I'm yeah. composting out the front there. Um, it's great until you have to bury it. And then you've got to yep. dig up a stinky hole. But it's okay. It's yep. worth it. You know, it's long term. Worth it. Let's yep. talk about how you grow these companies. Because um, you just mentioned your Spartan Elite, the sales sales agency. And that was, uh, you were doing fundraising for people. So door knocking, you know, cold calling. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of coaches these days are making their sales over the phone. And, you know, still a scary thing to do sometimes, sort of, you know, a relative stranger and asking for money. You've trained people to do that, knocking on someone's door, uh, infinitely more scary. But is there a takeaway that you could give today's coaches that you've learned from door knocking that you could, they could take to the phone? 
Yeah, there's quite a few, actually. Um, number one would probably be the resilience that you need to have in business. And that's across any business, right? You need to be resilient. Um, the other thing is knowing your numbers. So sales is a very scary scary game if you don't know what you're doing. And that's not just from a skill set point of view. And you need to be skilled in sales, like technically skilled. Yeah. Um, and business owners out there, everyone that's listening to this, the number one thing that you need to learn how to do very, very quickly is sell your own product. Number one. Because if, uh, can we swear on this? If not really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because if shit hits a fan, you can always go B2B, B2C, however you want to do and sell your product and make money very, very quickly. You need to learn how to do that. Because if you can't do that, and like I said, shit hits a fan and you need to build, I've rebuilt my own companies half a dozen times, a dozen times. So I know exactly how to build it from zero back to a million dollars within 14 weeks. I've done it too many times to to count. Um, So... So you need to know how that process works and you need to be confident. The reason why um, that's so important is because it takes away the fear of loss that you have with your sales staff or your marketing campaigns, because if that doesn't work, you're in the shit and that is not a good feeling. But if you know that off the back, you know, off the skin of your own back, you can go out there, drive some new business through your, through your business nothing's a, nothing's an issue so resilience is one thing and knowing your numbers how many people do you need to see and then working out what your process is and most companies so 2018 2019 my in my consultancy space all my clients were all sales companies every single one of them were outsourced sales companies wow because people can't sell their own product well they taught people like me to sell their own product and i they still had a coach like me training their guys so, wow. if they're, so if they're an outsourced sales company and their only business is to sell other people's products and they need a coach and we, we had some incredible results for them, yeah. um, then what do you think other businesses need to do when they don't have that sales experience, when they haven't trained a few thousand sales reps and they don't know the sales processes, they really need some help. Man, it's like the, uh, all the business and money coaches out there without a business or any money. Right, crazy, right? <laughs> crazy. Don't even get me started on that one. That is like, that is me. My that is one of my pet hates. You know. Okay. Well, we. I, I don't want to get you angry today, Julian. I want to keep you happy. You're in a good mood. It's Friday afternoon. I need, uh, I'll put my helmet on in a minute. <laughs> let's talk about this instead. Let's talk about this instead. Um, selling your own products. I've yep. I've sold a lot of products as well. Okay, so I I started in um. I started after my cafe. I was really good at selling wine, food, coffee, that kind of thing. Then when I went into like the health coaching space, long story short, I got really unhealthy in hospitality, got myself really healthy and decided I can teach people how to do this in my own way. And so um, yep. I, I did everything from the high ticket coaching programs to recipe books and you know, a bit of a network marketing supplements, that sort of thing. And I had a product that was a $15 a month recipe subscription service, calorie counter recipes to your diet. And I found it so difficult to sell a $15 a month product, whereas I can sell a $9,000 marketing service in about half an hour. But I I got like four clients ever on my recipe subscription. Why do you think... I struggled more to sell a $15 product than a $10,000 product. Yeah. So I've, I often, 
Yeah, I found the same issue to me. Um, I think it's the worth that you put on yourself. So, so to me, to go and sell lottery tickets at a dollar a ticket is I'm not even going to look at that. You, you know, especially when you go and sell a solar system at 40, 50, 60 grand, 150 grand, and then you go back to a dollar or $15. It's just not, it's just not the game, but you got to start somewhere, you know, high ticket item, lots of volume or uh, sorry, a uh, low ticket item, lots of high volume, or you have a high ticket item, uh, low volume, mm. or you have one in, like mops right now. It's a medium ticket and is great volume. Yeah. So you, you gotta you just gotta find where you're comfortable with and what will as you go through your sort of sales career and sales experience you just slowly build up you know i never thought i could sell a hundred and twenty thousand dollar solar system from a zoom call or from a first you know two meetings in an email yeah whereas now it's kind of and now it's like how far can i push that margin and still give great value to the customer because that's the other thing too right I can sell something at nine thousand and make a thousand dollars, or I can, or I can add so much value to it. I can sell it for fifteen grand. The consumer's happy. That's the next stage of being able to sell, and that's what makes you a great salesperson as opposed to a good salesperson. Yeah. Okay. So the value I attribute to what I'm giving them makes it easier, and they can probably sense that in my voice as well, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Otherwise, what happens, and this happens a lot in solar, everyone's dropping their pants just to get the deal race to the bottom no one makes any margins and the industry is thinking that the price is around here when really i'm selling it pretty much double what the market rate is only because i can create enough value around where the consumer still feels like they're getting an awesome deal and that's super important because otherwise you create enough value or you use certain sales techniques that's unethical and you're basically ripping people off because there's actually no value behind it and i don't think that's that's not what i'm talking about 100 well man i, I guess um one of the biggest things I'm getting from you is just like straight up authenticity. And I don't think you would have ever, you know, blurred the lines to make a sale. Um, no, I don't need to, you know, and, and that's where the, like, if, if you're good at sales and you understand what you need to do, you just see one more person, like just go knock on another door, go do another business, make another phone call, set up another zoom call, um, write another ad on Facebook, whatever your marketing campaign is, just do one more. I call it the law of one more. Just do one more. Close one more door, set up another opportunity, make one more phone call and that's it. Just replace that one person that you didn't quite get with someone else and, and, you're, and you're away. Yeah, absolutely. I got into trouble with that one once because you know that always ask one more time vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 te I just tested that out on the phone once and uh, I'd already lost a sale. And I just yeah. ask you one more time. How Mary down the back end, right? Yeah. <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. But yeah. um, I'm starting to learn in uh, my sort of B2B kind of style of business. Um, if someone needs to be followed up too many times or asked too many times, they weren't right in the first place. I find my best clients are the ones where I can send a proposal on a Thursday and on Tuesday, I'll get a text message saying all signed you know, because I gave them some space. Yeah. When back in the health yep. coaching days, I would work really hard for a sale, use all the techniques, get them over the line. Three days later, they have a freak out and then they want to pull out of it because I've actually done too much selling and they didn't want to do it enough. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah, look, that happens all the time. Um, I call it um, 
what do I call it? Basically, it's uh, elegant sales. If you have an elegant sales process, yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like saying. So you church, you change it from a selling point of view to a purchasing opportunity. Right. So, 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 so we, we teach a certain um, structure where once you go through that structure and you've ascertained all the client's needs, goals, concerns, fears, um, what they're looking for, what they want over the next three to five years, why wouldn't they buy it? All this, I, and I ask a ton of questions. Like I probably in my in my solar business, I probably spend about thirty minutes before I get to anything about solar, just making sure I can create the perfect opportunity and perfect for, solution for the customer. Whereas some sales guys, they'll get a quote and they'll do it up and they'll send it out and wait for them to call. That's not selling. That is called order taking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Interesting. Interesting that to see you break it up into those different camps there, man. Uh, yeah. A lot of people could learn a lot from you. I'd love to, I'll ask you at the end of this, if there's anywhere we can go to get some advice off you. I'd love to hear it. Um, yeah, 100%. But, but you've been here for a while, you know, I think we've got some epic, epic value off this podcast. I like to keep them short and sweet, although I definitely could talk to you for a long time. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I had, I want to finish it on a really lovely note because, uh, sure. Um, I've got two daughters and I, I think you have twice as many daughters as that. I yeah. think four daughters. You're surrounded by women. We're both yeah. very lucky boys. Very. Uh, I heard some celebrity, it was like Jason Momoa or someone say that every man wants a son, but every man needs a daughter. What do you think of that? Yeah, look, I used to be a very hard type of person. I think my daughters have softened me up a bit. Uh, although don't tell, don't tell that to everyone, but uh, obviously when you're selling this in, the, in a public forum, more people are going to know than, than not. Um, yeah, look, uh, I'm probably, I come from a very European hard background where, um, you know, my old pa was in the war and captured by the Germans and, you know, we come from Holland. So, so that type of um, um, uh, resilience maybe was, was passed down generationally. Um, but it's definitely a very hard upbringing, you know, high discipline. Um, my, I remember vividly my grandpa saying, you know, kids should be seen and not heard. You know, that, that's, that's where we come from. So, so coming, bring that type of, um, uh, you know, experiences and education or whatever around growing up as a kid, you tend to pass that down pretty quickly. It's just, it's just how, we, how we operate, right? Yeah. So I'm grateful that if I had a boy... Uh, if I had boys, I think I'd be very as hard as my dad would be on me because that kind of shaped and formed me into the man that I am today. Mm. But I'm probably lucky that I have girls because it's probably not the right way of doing it in 2021. Awesome. Yeah, why not? I, I think it's an absolute blast, man. I'm uh, super stoked to have a, a couple of little girls in the house. I can only imagine how many tiny dresses and frozen <laughs> dolls you got around your house uh with four of them uh dude i bought i bought wiggles tickets today for the yes you know you know the crazy thing is i actually don't like kids i'm not really a kid fan you know you know some people really enjoy kids and when they're running around and screaming they they we've got friends of ours that just can really thrive in that environment i I can't man yeah let me me run three companies that is so much easier for me it's so well, it's just a lot of work, you know, and it's, and it takes it from, so I, I think one kid is hard. So the people out there that have one child, 
Um, it's really difficult. If you if you don't have a kids, don't compare it to your dog because it's not the same. So just be quiet. <laughs> when you have one child, it is super hard. Like it is difficult. Then you have two and it's okay. One's easy, right? Then you have three and four and then one is a piece of cake. But it's the same as that bachelor that's tired and, and, and um, you know, busy compared to having, you know, three company or two, a consulting business, two companies and four kids. It's just, you know, you go from, a residential point of view to a commercial business and then now we're in, we're in industrial scale right now so um yeah you but. expand right your your capabilities expand your um capacity for you know work and energy and mental you know focus to be able to get home from a tough day and still have to be switched on to raise a child or or whatever even if it's coming home from a job to then run a business anything that yeah. expands that capacity i think you seem way more chilled out than you expect you to be. And I think yeah. because of what you just said, that you've gone in stages, one company, one kid, blah, 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 you know, now three companies, four kids, and uh, probably a bunch of other ideas in the bank. Um, well, you're I'm not chilled out. I'm just, I'm just bloody tired. That's all. <laughs> Who, isn't, Who isn't? You know, it's Friday afternoon. Put your feet yeah. up. You just had a coffee. So I guess you're not going to put your feet up, but, uh, you know, I got plenty a few hours away. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, you you do you know you do expand your your comfort zones and you know being in business definitely I think being in business and being resilient helps you in your marriage and helps you in your personal life and um and then also you know the benefit of having business is that you know I I went to the gym this morning obviously got podcasted now we do some work this afternoon uh, what time is it now two o'clock so I might be able to pick up the kids this afternoon but I've got work but then. The answer of having that flexibility is sometimes at 10 o'clock at night, you're still working. You know, sometimes at three o'clock in the morning, you wake up in hot sweats because you're really stressed. So, so there is that balance and you just have to understand that certain times of your life are going to be pretty painful and then you're going to be blessed on the other side, but, but you can't have the blessings without the pain. That's just, I've never found a business that sets up super simple, super easy, and it's just flows. I've not had that yet. Maybe, maybe soon, but not yet. <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of people on instagram who'd have you uh, believe the opposite right you know oh, it's, just, it's just not true it's just not true you know it, you, you just can't do it you know you just can't one year you know one laptop and everyone's got a seven figure shopify store and they're on a private jet using their laptop in the pool for some reason no one does look, that shit. you know it, look it does happen it does happen but it's not the majority and right. most people are going to fail that's what you've got to realize so so it's like, you know, becoming a millionaire and you're in the top couple of percentage points of, of, uh, of the country and in, in the world, right? We're a pretty lucky country, pretty blessed country globally. Um, so if you're going to try and reach the upper echelons of business and life and, and finances, you got to work harder than everyone else ahead of you. That, it's just how it works. If you want to be an athlete and an Olympian, you, you got four years and you're not even guaranteed to make it. Something could happen in trials and you roll your ankle and that's it. You're out of the hundred meter sprint. So that's, but you just got to try. That's a, I don't want to be on my deathbed and go, Fuck, I wish I'd have just done a bit more. I wish I'd had to just experience it a little bit more. I, I don't want that. Yeah. hundred percent, man. What, what a fantastic place to leave it because you've, uh, you're definitely having to go. You're definitely not going to leave anything on the table. I can tell and uh, I'm going to order myself an Octo Mop for Christmas because I'm a dad now and I get excited by mops. 
it will be the best mop you ever buy. It'll be the last mop you ever buy, I promise. It'll be the first mop I ever buy. <laughs> you know, I promise that. You realize, uh, you know, you got the kids and it's like, oh, I, I don't have anything to mop that with, or I don't have an iron. <laughs> why, would, why would I ever need it, right? So, um, dude, Julian, please uh, let us know if there's anything you'd like to plug or anywhere we can find you, any programs you've got coming up. Yeah, so jump on the website. We're getting a new uh, julianvanderwald.com website. Uh, if you need solar, escgroup.energy. And if you need cleaning products, octomop.com.au. Uh, but jvd at julianvanderwald.com, you'll get me and I'm more than happy to reach out and give us some support or give some insights or, or, or look me up on my uh, socials. Oh, you're an absolute legend, Julian. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, bro. I really, really appreciate your time. Anyone listening on Spotify, thank you for doing that. And anyone live streaming right now, we'll get back to the comments later on. We'll be back next week on the Coaches to the Moon podcast. Much love and peace out. Coaches to the Moon will be back next week. Until then, reach us on Facebook at To The Moon Digital Marketing.